Hey everyone, my name is Alia. And my name is Asta. And welcome to our podcast, Care for Cancer, where each month we discuss the different types of cancer, cancer prevention, cancer myths and facts, interview oncologists and those who have been diagnosed with cancer to get their perspective on it, and much more. Alia, when you think of persevering in the face of adversity, what do you think of? I think of strong cancer warriors. One that comes to mind is Miss Emily Garfield. On today's episode, we are joined by a very strong warrior who has battled cancer twice. Through her job as a cancer life coach, her nonprofit organization called Cancer Core Recovery Project, and her book, Reclaim Your Strength and Hope, she is changing the lives of cancer patients both mentally and physically. Her strength in the face of challenges is an inspiration to so many cancer fighters and survivors. Before we begin, make sure to check out her Instagram at Cancer Saved My Life and her website at www.emilygarfield.com. Without further ado, Miss Emily Garfield. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Miss Emily. We are so excited to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course, we're very, very excited. So starting from the beginning, when were you first diagnosed with cancer? So the first time I was diagnosed with cancer, I was just four years old, and I was diagnosed with a rare childhood cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma. I had a mass the size of a grapefruit between my, my bladder and my uterus. Oh, okay. So is that sort of what prompted you to visit the doctor? Um, well, at that time, um, my mom was a nurse and I didn't know anything different, but I was on a, a jungle gym on a swing and my mom said that I kept having to go to the bathroom, urinate all the time. So a bladder infection is lots of like pressure on my, my abdomen. And so my mom was a nurse and when she was giving me a bath, she actually felt a mass in my stomach and that's how I was sent to the doctor. And once, um, we went to the doctor, they did a CAT scan and it showed a mass and they um, scheduled me for a surgery. But once they went in for surgery, they discovered that the mass had grown so large and it had grown, they called them these little feelers, arms and legs that had wrapped around my organs inside, my liver and my kidneys. And it was too dangerous to remove. So they closed me back up and told my parents that it was inoperable. And it was a very stressful time for my family. But that's when I began doing um, intense chemotherapy and radiation. And I did about two years nonstop intense um, radiation and chemotherapy from the age of four to six years old. Wow, I can't even imagine how stressful and painful that must have been to go through, especially as a child. So as you were being diagnosed with cancer as a child, which obviously can be very scary, how did, you, how did it affect you mentally and physically? That's a great question. Um, I think, honestly, I kind of like numbed myself um, most of my childhood and maybe even growing up um, because when I was a kid growing up, like cancer created a lot of shame for me. I was the only kid in my school that was bald. I was made fun of and bullied, even in kindergarten. Kids didn't know 
you know, I was bald, so they'd make fun of me, but you know, I got my feelings hurt clearly. Um, I became a very shy person. You'd never know today, but I was a very, very shy kid. Um, I would never raise my hand and talk because I never wanted to draw any more attention to myself. So I kind of just stayed small, if that makes sense. And growing up, you know, dating boys in high school, I was very, um, like embarrassed that I had this ugly big scar in my stomach where all the other girls were wearing bikinis and they looked good. And in cheerleading, we had to have outfits that showed our stomach, but I was always like putting my hands around my stomach or tying my shirt. So I clearly affected me um, so much more than I had thought. And it wasn't until later on in life that I realized that pretty much my childhood cancer is what caused a lot of my adult issues or like mental problems or stress, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We definitely understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, so then moving on to your second diagnosis, when were you diagnosed? So actually um, in between those, I, I don't really know if you guys know this, but I was also diagnosed with pre-cervical cancer when I was in college when I was 21 and I had to leave school um, and take a year off. And I had another major surgery at the age of 21 where I actually had a hysterectomy. And that's when they told me I would never have children. And it was like heartbreaking for me because all I ever wanted was a child. And growing up as a childhood cancer survivor that had radiation to her pelvis, I never had a menstrual period. And so I knew that my chance of having children was probably never going to happen, but I always held on to hope. So after my second scare with uh, cervical cancer, they went aggressive. So I had the hysterectomy. I was diagnosed with advanced late stage um, three ovarian cancer at the age of 38. But I do want to throw in there that um, by a miracle, um, I was able to have a surrogate mom have um, my biological babies and I had three embryos. I have three babies. And I just wanted to share that even though you may think, you know, if your doctor said you can't have kids, you just never know because miracles do happen like they did for me. Yes, that's really that's amazing. amazing. So now I'm um, discussing your symptoms that you noticed during your second diagnosis. How are they different from your first and um, also your the cancer that you had, you were diagnosed okay. with in college? So completely different symptoms. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard or, but what I've heard is that um, almost like 90% of childhood cancer survivors get a secondary cancer. That's not saying everyone's going to, but I think that was one of the um, reasons why I had this other cancer. And they think it was from the radiation from so long ago that over time it causes other side effects, lifelong side effects. And I thought it was kind of ironic that the cancer came back in almost the exact same place as my first cancer. Um, but my symptoms were, um, I was extremely tired. Um, I, I just thought I was a busy mom. I was working too much. I was feeling really bloated. Um, I thought, gosh, like my stomach feels a little bit like, like maybe I gained five pounds. So I thought I was having too many vanilla lattes, <laughs> like too much sugar. And so I just kept kind of ignoring it. But then when I started um, bleeding, I had abnormal bleeding and I thought that was weird because I never had a period. Um, 
back pain. My back pain was so bad. I thought it was coming from my hip. So there was never like one clear thing. It was like all these different things. And I would go to the doctors and tell them and they would say, oh yeah, that's, you're fine. You're fine. Like just exercise more, drink more water or take some constipation pills. So I did. And then I got chronic bladder infections. That was probably like the red flag for me. So it wasn't just one of these symptoms, you guys, it was all of them at the same time. And I pretty much just got used to living like that. Like I thought that was normal. And so I went on like that for two and three years. And I think that's why my cancer was diagnosed so late because the symptoms, like no doctor said to me, hey, you should have a CAT scan or hey, you should have this test or hey, you should have a transvaginal ultrasound. It wasn't until um, I actually went in and I thought I was maybe allergic to wheat. So I thought I had an allergy and the doctor said, no, no, um, let's... um, let's give you a a colonoscopy. And because you're a childhood cancer survivor, you do have a higher risk of having a secondary cancer. Well, they did the colonoscopy and nothing was wrong. So they couldn't figure anything out. But I had a, I had a a CAT scan that showed I had a cyst on my ovary. Um, And they told me to come back in six months. Well, my own intuition told me that it's something bigger than a cyst because um, the pain was just constant and, and it just didn't feel right. And I pushed and pushed and pushed to have another test. And I was my own advocate, the CEO of my own health. Even doctors told me I didn't need to worry. Well, sure enough, that cyst was not a cyst. It was, uh, cancer and it spread to my rectum, my vagina, my colon, and I end up losing a major part of my intestines and had to live with an ileostomy bag on my stomach. So had I not listened to my intuition, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys today. So that's something that I want everyone to know is that you are your own um, best advocate for your health and you should always listen to your body because you know best. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I love C- CEO of your own health. I think that's yeah. really important as well. Thank you. Yes. And like you said, it's so important to even look out for those small symptoms because they can definitely indicate something much bigger. Yes, exactly. So going into your treatment plan, what exactly was your treatment for your second diagnosis? So my treatment plan um, was very um, rigid. It was very quick. So I didn't have much time to think about um what I was going to do. I started chemotherapy right away and I went weekly on, um, it was called carboplatin and taxol. So it was a very intense chemotherapy. Um, but I'd go every week and then I would feel really bad for like three days. I'd lay on my couch. Um, but then I noticed that by, um, day three, I would start to feel a little better. But I also noticed that when I started doing little exercises, like even walking or doing my yoga stretches, that I never had any horrible like um, vomiting or nausea and my fatigue was better. So that to me, I started doing a little bit of movement. I say movement is medicine. I teach today movement is medicine. Um, but that was also a part of my plan. Um, I did, I had a Chinese doctor, I had a, um, an energy healer, I had a shaman. So I really took the whole holistic approach where I looked at, you know, what I could do on my part and I let the doctors do what they could do. 
and because um, you know there's side effects to those drugs. So then once they shrunk the tumor down, I kept going back in for a scan and they saw that it had shrunk. So then I was able to have surgery. It was called a debulking surgery where they pretty much go in and remove all of your, uh, like, how do I say that? They removed a lot of organs inside. Um, anything that touched the cancer and because it was advanced late stage three, it had metastasized into my abdomen, to my colon, to my bladder, to my rectum, vagina. So they, they definitely like was aggressive and had to remove a lot of my internal stuff. Um, and I had a colon bag, which meant that I now had a bag where I would poop into a bag. That was how I went to the bathroom. And hopefully they said over time after the cancer healed and everything healed that I might be able to have it reversed. And um, that's what I prayed for every day because it was really hard living with that thing, being a yoga and Pilates teacher. So about one year later, I had a second surgery and I had my um, reversal, my ileostomy reversal. And um, it just seemed like everything was moving in the right direction. And honestly, my life has been pretty good ever since then. And I haven't had no reoccurrences. There was fear always that the cancer would come back because they told me it was a very aggressive cancer. It's one of the most deadliest cancers, but I never let my mind go there. So I always focus on the mindset training and what I can do today to stay positive and in the now because I don't ever want to go back to that horrific dark place of cancer um, before. And that's why I say cancer saved my life because my life before cancer, um, like you mentioned, was very hard. I struggled emotionally, mentally, loving myself. I didn't like myself. I wanted to be somebody else. But now today, having this last cancer about, I thought, you know what? This is time for me to start to know me, to love me, and to be kind to myself, to love myself, and um, and just start living the life that I want to live. And now mm-hmm. I, yeah, now I really just want to inspire kids like you, like younger generation and girls, like, you know, don't wait until you get cancer like I did to start like believing in yourself. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You are such an inspiration, truly oh, hearing you. your words. Um, so you talked about mindset and how important that is. And so how was how would you say your mindset was different from when you were first diagnosed with cancer um, to your ovarian cancer? Well, you mean now? I didn't know. When I was a kid, I didn't know. Like, I was too young to know. So, um, you know, I think growing up, like, unconsciously, my mind had created a story without me knowing it, which is what I teach people in my life coaching is that we all have a shadow story of why we think we're not good enough or why we don't matter or why we'll never be lovable. Because, you know, my father actually committed suicide when I had cancer the first time when I was four. And so I created this imaginary story that I must not be good enough. No men are going to love me. And so I, um, pretty much would do anything to be loved. That was my story growing up. When I got cancer the second time, I had noticed that my past, um, in my teens, my 20s, and my 30s, I would do things that would sabotage relationships and myself. And basically, I realized that 
you know, this is my second chance at life and I'm not going to let cancer ruin my life again this time like it did when I was a kid. And so now I'm older. I now um, I'm going to learn the tools. And that's when I begin training my brain with uh, one of my mentor coaches. It was called New Life Story Coaching. And it's all about how we can rewire our brain, especially after post-traumatic um events like cancer and then i was going through a divorce so you know we can all go two ways and become the victim of the story or we can choose to turn the direction and and become the person that we want to become we just have to change our thoughts we have to change our actions and we have to jump into the new story and that's what i did your words are so inspiring miss emily Oh, thank you guys. Yes, definitely. And like you said, it's so important to have a good mindset because it can really change your perspective on life, even when you go through these hard times. So during your diagnosis, during both of your diagnoses, um, cancer can obviously be something so scary to go through. So what, what is something that gave you comfort during those experiences? Um, again, like I, when I was a kid, I don't even remember. Um, like I have a lot of PTSD from that. So I'll just jump to my experience of an adult. And um, I would say like having my children, um, I had twins that were uh, nine at that time and I had a 12 year old and they were pretty much like the thing that kept me going because there were many moments when I wanted to give up. I, I was in so much pain. It seemed kind of hopeless and, you know, you read on the internet, you have this cancer, you're going to die. So why even try? And honestly, it was my doctor, my surgeon said this to me. And she said, if anyone can do this, it's you, Emily. Have uh, the mindset and you ha- you're young, you're, um, you're resilient, and you have three beautiful children to live for. So whenever I would feel like giving up. And I had many days when I felt like giving up, I would always think of my kids and, you know, I wanted to make it to their high school graduation or their sixth grade graduation. And here I am five years later, never thought I would be alive today and I'm thriving. And it's, I think it's a testament to the power of our brain, the power of our mind, the power of what we feed our soul and the thoughts that we feed ourselves. So if I had focused on being that person that was going to die, well, you always say like, you know, you are what you would think, right? So I changed my thought to being, well, someone has to survive. So why can't it be me? And that became my mindset. It was basically like a game. I played like a mind game the whole time. And yeah, I mean, it was challenging, but, um, but I did, did it. Your story is truly so inspirational. And I hope that everyone listening today and listening to your story can really, I hope that it can really help them change their mindset. And so what was your inspiration behind writing your book called Reclaim Your Strength and Hope? Great question. So when I was in the hospital, um, I... I sat in the bed and well, before even the hospital, I, I was terrified. I was going to have this surgery that was going to ruin my body and change my life. And I was going to poop into a bag. And of course, like I already hated my body. So now I was going to hate it even more. And, um, I, I was just, I felt so alone. And when I was in the hospital, I woke up and I looked at myself for the first time and I really wanted to die because I was like, 
oh my gosh, like things just went from like worse to like horrible. And I thought, wow, like I'm a life coach and I'm a physical, you know, I teach yoga and Pilates. I know what to do. If I'm struggling, like I can't even imagine the person that knows nothing about this kind of stuff. Like they must be struggling every day in the hospital. My thoughts, um, how I was feeling, how my pain was. I was in horrible pain, back pain, and I didn't want to use the morphine and the drugs all the time because it made you really sleepy. So I started doing movements in my bed, simple stretches. Um, And when people tell me, well, I can't do it in the hospital. Well, the truth is you can, you don't have to exercise like you think exercises. It might be point your toes, flex your toes. It creates circulation. I knew like, um, uh, well, if I did like a figure four stretch or cross my leg over, it would help my back pain. And I sat into a chair and started stretching my scar tissues. It was little things that, um, you know, I didn't ever like work on my surgery site. Of course not. But I, I worked on the areas that I could do. That's what was my focus. Like rather than focus on what I can't do right now, there's still something I can do. And that's really how I teach all my clients in my studio. I teach people that are, you know, paralyzed and they don't make excuses. They show up, they use their arms. Whereas I also teach people that have never had cancer and they make excuses to why they can't exercise. So we all have a story that we tell ourselves. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, I love helping people find that story and shifting them as to, yes, you can, you can do it. You have to choose to do it. I definitely understand what you're saying. That's absolutely. And then, and then also with the book, I, I have a lot, a lot of girls that reach out to me internationally and they don't have yoga studios. They're in poor countries. They don't have um, physical therapists. They don't have these things. So uh, it just, for me, being a movement teacher and an educator and exercise and life coaching, I thought, you know, if I survive this, my mission is going to be to give back and to help others heal so that they don't go through the same emotional pain and physical pain that I went through because we all are in this together. And I just went through it, you know, maybe faster than you did. And so I wanted to share something that wasn't available for me. And that's why I created that book. And that's why I created my life coaching course. And that's why I created my support groups because, you know, nobody needs to feel alone in this. And then you also have a nonprofit organization called Cancer Core Recovery Project, um, which helps sponsor cancer surgeries and provide resources for cancer survivors. And what you do for that organization as well is so truly remarkable. And so what would you say is the biggest achievement that you've had through that organization? Um, Great question. So I actually just today, I um, sent funds over to um, Uganda, a little orphanage in Uganda, and I'm helping a a young girl, her name's Deborah, and she's young, and she's going to be having the same surgery that I had, an ileostomy reversal. So she's going to have her bag removed so she can go back to school and live a normal life. Um, what I've been told from the orphanage is that a lot of these kids over there, they have, you know, they're malnourished. They don't have enough food. And so a lot of them are born without, um, an anus, so they can't go to the bathroom. So they have to have it that bad like I had. And there's no reason they'd even have cancer. There's no reason why they can't have the surgery um, to reverse it. They just don't have the finances. So, uh, you know, again, helping a young girl 
live uh, and change her image of her body and not live in shame is probably the ultimate um, achievement, I'd say, in my whole entire career. The other girl I've helped um, um, in a lifetime is a girl from Nepal, and I helped sponsor her with colon bag. So everything's been around uh, giving them medical supplies around this ileostomy, and that was never my intention when I first started this program. I thought it was going to be more about exercise, but I'm finding that there are so many people out there like these young girls that just don't have any help or anyone, and it just breaks my heart. Well, congratulations on your big achievement. We're very happy that you were able to do that. Thank you. Yes, and that is truly amazing. And so what is one project that you plan on doing with your nonprofit organization in the future? Um, So right now I'm starting to plan. There's actually a waiting list of um, 20 girls in this orphanage with the same um, ileostomy that they all need the surgery. So my big plan is I'm trying to raise $20,000 for this surgery for all these girls. And one day, like my big, big, big dream is um, is to have an event, like a big um, retreat where I can invite all these women that I help to come meet in person and actually give them a hug and see them. And that would just be like the biggest cherry on top for me. That's amazing. So last question, wrapping it up, um, how is helping other cancer patients through life coaching, your organization, and your book impacted your overall experience with cancer? And how does that continue to impact you today? Um, I think that um, for me, helping share my story um, as an adult has helped me heal my childhood story because I I never talked about it. Um, We just kind of didn't talk about it in my family. We just kind of pretended like it didn't happen. And I always, you know, just felt really sad inside, but I didn't know why. So I think, you know, using my platform to talk about my feelings and and how I've healed through this, and I've been on a journey with everyone through it, I've really grown as a woman myself. I've grown um, as a person, I've grown in my business, I've gotten more confidence. So I pretty much think that everything that I'm doing today is a gift that cancer has brought me um, the second time around. And yeah, that's, that's what I think. Thank you for sharing. Yes, those are all of our questions. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, Miss Emily. It was such a pleasure chatting with you today and getting to hear more about your story and the amazing work you are doing through your classes, book, organization, and much more. You are truly a role model and inspiration for so many. Once again, be sure to check out Miss Emily's social media accounts and website in the episode notes to learn more. Thank you guys. And you guys are amazing for doing this. Um, You guys are an inspiration too. Don't forget that. Thank you. We are so happy to be doing what we're doing. We're very passionate about this and we're really happy that we're able to sit down and chat with people like you. Thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out our website in the episode notes, follow our Instagram at careforcancer underscore, and please leave a review on all platforms. 
Subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss upcoming episodes. And as always, show you care by being aware. And care care for for cancer. cancer. Bye, Bye, everyone. everyone.